Welcome to the Have You Ever Podcast. My name is Michael Nielsen, a fitness enthusiast, lifelong learner who is always asking questions. Each week I will dive into topics you've always wanted to know more about, but never had the courage to explore. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Have You Ever. Hey, what's going on? This is episode 35 of the Have You Ever Podcast. And as always, I am your host, Michael Nielsen. For a few minutes, I wanted to talk about goal setting for 2022. This is something I have not personally done in the last couple of years, but I have created a few specific goals that I feel can bring some clarity for both myself and for you for where you want your year to go. Something to shoot towards or something specific for a goal or a goal post on something you want to accomplish in this coming year. Now, I've personally created a number of goals for both my personal, career, uh, financial, and this podcast. Now, it's funny, one of my goals for this year was to have one of the episodes of this podcast hit over 150 downloads. It was a lofty number that I threw out. However, I didn't think too much about it. It was something that I thought could potentially be hit somewhere during this coming year. Now, episode 33 with Steve Sweats about becoming a a pastor currently sits at 149 downloads. So if you are listening to this episode, I would ask you to please go back and help me hit that 150 downloads. Now, I want to share this story for two reasons. One, it's not to brag, but it just shows you that with a little commitment, and if you set your mind to it, you can certainly accomplish any goal that you create. And second, there's an old saying about if you shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll be among the stars. Now, I picked 150 downloads as something I didn't think was potentially possible, or at least not possible at the beginning of the year. Maybe with a little growth of this podcast, I might be able to hit it at some point during the year. For you, pick something that's reasonable and within your reach, and you'll be surprised for what you can accomplish. So for you, anyone listening, make goals for this coming year, look back on them with pride for what you accomplish, no matter how big or how small. In today's episode, I chat with Todd Lindenblad about his piano restoration business, Lindenblad Piano. Todd Lindenblad, husband and father of four young children, Todd is the owner of Lindenblad Piano Restoration and Lindenblad School of Music. Todd graduated from Montclair State University with a double major in marketing and management. Todd currently lives in West Caldwell, New Jersey. The pressures of life have driven Todd to lean on God and Jesus. Todd enjoys spending time with his wife and kids. Highlights of today's episode include, we learn the different components of a piano and the process of how a piano was restored. We discuss the growth of Lindenblad Piano and the biggest impact that has helped the business grow. Stay tuned to the end of this interview to hear some of the famous clients that Todd has restored pianos for. And if you enjoy today's conversation, I ask that you please share it with a friend, and I ask that you please rate or give a review of this podcast on iTunes or Spotify. This organic growth certainly does help this podcast grow. Here we go with Todd Lindenblad on Piano Restoration. Welcome, Todd, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? 
Hey, Mike, great to see it. So just I uh, can't believe how long it's been since uh, we got to catch up. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I'm Todd in the blood and uh, I'm 40, I'll actually be 41 next, next week. So I'm 40 years old. Uh, I got four amazing kids that are crazy. Benjamin, who's 12, Verity, 11, Ethan's eight and Miriam six. Uh, I'm blessed to be married to uh, actually a Canadian who uh, I met years ago, but uh, her name is Abby. And uh, yeah, she, we live here now in New Jersey. And I also run um, two small businesses, a music school and a piano restoration company. And uh, whenever there's some spare time, I enjoy coaching my kids sports, um, coaching uh, Benjamin and Ethan's baseball teams and also uh, my son Ethan's basketball team. So I, I wanted to have you on today to talk about your business, Lindenblad Piano. And so Lindenblad Piano has been around now almost for a century with four generations working in the business. Can you talk a little bit about the history of this business? Yeah, so um, my great-grandfather emigrated from Sweden uh, and he worked on pianos, instruments, just in general. Uh, but pianos was one of the things that he worked on. And then his son, Ed Lindenblad, I uh, worked with him. He also went to work for Steinway for a few years, uh, working on pianos. And then uh, he, this was in, in Brooklyn. And then he moved out to New Jersey and uh, opened up a shop in a showroom in New Jersey. And it was actually initially as part of the house that my dad grew up in. So that's where my dad was exposed and grew up around pianos, uh, worked, through, worked on pianos when he was in high school. Uh, and then also, um, you know, worked on pianos his whole life. And then kind of similar to him, my dad had a workshop that was actually part of our house. So when I was growing up, I was actually surrounded by pianos. Uh, there was uh, one of the rooms was where he used to work on pianos. And it's pretty funny, actually part of like the, or not part, but one of the living rooms we had was actually a showroom for pianos in the house. Uh, and my dad would run ads in the paper, house full of pianos, um, and people would come to the house. I remember they kind of have to use the bathroom in the house, which I thought was kind of odd. And then eventually uh, the business grew and we ended up getting a storefront uh, not too far from where we live, uh, which was nice because we freed up like 30% of our house that we were able to enjoy. Um, so I went through high school. I worked with my dad uh, through college. I worked uh, in the family business. And then when I graduated uh, from school, I ended up then working with my father full time. And I've been doing it ever since then. For those who aren't uh, familiar with you and the business, you know, where are you centered out of? Yeah, so we're centered out of New Jersey. And, uh, you know, you would think, you know, who would buy or decide to have their piano restored, you know, if we're out of state. But actually over 90% of our business comes out of state. And we sell and restore more pianos for people in California than any other state. So we actually move... Um, about 600 pianos nationwide. We also ship and deliver pianos to people in Canada. Uh, we have a piano this next coming month that we're going to be delivering to BC. Uh, we did for a period of time have a showroom in Mississauga, Canada. Um, but just due to supply uh, issues, we weren't able to... We kept bringing pianos up to Canada and people from the U.S. that would end up buying those pianos would be shipping them back. So we just figured, you know what? If someone wants a piano in Canada, we'll just ship it from our store here in the uh, United States. So uh, based out of the U.S., sorry, based out of New Jersey in the U.S., but we're a nationwide company and uh, have you know delivered pianos probably to 15 countries all around the world. 
How many people currently work for Linenblad Piano and what are the different roles within the organization? So I would say we have roughly, I think it's about 35 people and the business is broken up into two main pillars, piano restoration, uh, where we'll restore people's pianos that have been in their family for a long time. And then also sales. Um, so we'll ship, you know, someone's in the market for a piano and they'll end up finding a piano that we have for sale, either on our website or come visit our showroom. And from that, we would have in the restoration, we have two locations. We have a restoration facility and showroom. Our restoration facility has about 25 craftsmen ranging. Um, if you break the piano down the three main areas, you have the finish, uh, which we have about five or six people who do the refinishing of the piano. We have the action, which is the playability, where if you sit down, you press the keys. We have about six or seven people who focus on that. We also have what's called the belly department where you have the soundboard, pin block strings is about maybe eight or so people there. And there's kind of miscellaneous aspects of the piano, which maybe another five people um, work on. So um, craftsmen who have been doing this for a very long time, kind of in their own special niche in each of those different sections. And then we have our sales team, which is about three or four people and then various admin people who either overseeing the restoration are responsible for ordering and getting the parts. Uh, and we also have a moving division where uh, we'll have people who will are responsible for coordinating the moving as well as doing the moving itself to people's homes. I know, uh, you know, we've been friends for so long and I was down and saw your shop about 15 to 20 years ago, but certainly wasn't as many employees as you have now. So sounds like you guys have certainly had a lot of growth over the last few years. Yeah, no, it's been um, it's been quite the journey and the roller coaster, for sure. Before that, so so I know many people have played the piano over the years, and you know a lot of people may not understand what's happening inside the instrument. Now, you briefly just touched on the different areas of the piano, but if someone was to look inside of a piano, what are the different components of it? Yes, yeah, so there is. Um, because I know this from Steinway, but uh, I didn't count it, but there's 12, over 12,000 parts in a piano. Wow. Uh, most of that would be in the action, the keyboard. When you sit down and you press the key, there's a mechanism called the action where the majority of the parts are. However, um, some of the th uh, parts that would be apparent to most people are the strings. When you open up the lid, you'll see the strings in the piano. And there's over 200 strings. Uh, you have the pin block, which is a piece of wood underneath the harp that holds the pins in place. So when someone comes, when a tuner comes to someone's house to tune the piano, they'll put their little hammer or wrench on this pin, which is how you tune the piano. So you have the tuning pins, you have the strings, you have the soundboard, which is the amplifier, uh, which when you hit the string, when you hit the hand, sorry, when you hit the action, the key, it hits the string and the soundboard amplifies it. You have the, the uh, steel plate, which is the harp which holds the tension and holds the strings in place. You have the cabinet, um, which is the outside shell. You have the keys, you have the sharp keys and what else? So you have the pedal system. So um, yeah, it's pretty complex. I mean, even though the piano has been around for a while, the good news for us is that the piano really hasn't changed a whole lot in the last 150 years. It's pretty much has stayed the same. You know, you talked about, uh, or we talked before, how much you guys have grown the last couple of years. But what would you say are the one or two innovations that you've made 
in the business that have made the biggest impact on the growth of your business over those last few years? Yeah, great question, Mike. So I would say what's really what took Linda Blatt Piano from being just a local company that would service people within, say, New Jersey, possibly a little bit in New York, uh, would it be just the dawn of the internet and being able to reach people all across the country. So a real, a huge part of my, I guess, biggest influence has been on the marketing end of the company uh, and trying to leverage and trying to figure out, okay, how can we use where people are and getting our company in front of them? So um, understanding uh, SEO, you know, uh, pay-per-click, trying to figure out, okay, who's, who are the people that are interested in our services and our product and trying to get our message in front of them? So investing into our website, trying to make it look as compelling as possible. Um, also creating video and creating stories around our company and around our people. So um, trying to invest in our website, invest in the videos, creating a, a website that's compelling of someone who's interested and then trying to figure out, okay, how can we get our message in front of people and try to leverage Google, Facebook, Instagram. So once someone's been to our site or comes to our site, they're able to constantly see the same messaging. So they kind of, once they get into our web or their interest into Linda Blatt Piano, they constantly just see messaging that's supporting um, hopefully what they're interested in, whether it's buying a piano or interested in restoring a piano. So that's been something that we're constantly trying to figure out how can we leverage the internet and our target market and constantly pushing our messaging in front of our clients. You know, so many businesses are able to scale that way now with the internet and able to have that large reach. And it sounds like you guys have been very successful in that. So as you had said um, before, you know, the primary or one of the big pillars of your business is this piano restoration business. And if someone is looking to have their piano restored, can you walk me through what that restoration process looks like? Absolutely. So uh, let's just take someone from San Francisco, uh, has a family heirloom and say it's a Steinway Grand that's been in the family for, you know, say a hundred years. Uh, they go online, they type in Steinway Restoration. Uh, hopefully our, our website shows up and they come and they see our number. Uh, they'll give us a call typically and they'll usually talk to either myself um, or actually I'll talk to one of um, the people who answer the phone and connect us to either myself or Chad, um, who will kind of walk them through asking them, you know, what are they interested in having done to their piano? Why are they interested in doing it? Asking them to share photos. Once we get an idea of what the condition of their piano is, what their expectations is, share with them what all the different options there are for them to restore the piano. Once they pick what they want done, uh, we'll have our team pick up their piano. Uh, once the piano arrives to our company, we have a team of people who will evaluate it. Uh, we'll actually take videos of the condition of the piano with our recommendation. Uh, they can then pick and choose what it is they want to have done. And then once they choose, um, I actually hand it off to someone who I think you know pretty well, Dave Donatuccio, who uh, oversees uh, the restoration and pretty much uh, once he puts the, uh, the work order together, it'll then go through the entire process, depending on what they choose. So it'll go through all the different um different departments from refinishing to the belly department to the action department, which usually takes about eight to 10 months for the whole process to go through. And they can pick and choose the color of the piano that they want, the different decals. They can even give us um, their preferences for how they want the tone and touch to be. 
So our team will tailor it. And then once it's done, you know, we'll get back on the truck and we'll ship it to back to say San Francisco and have it safely set up in their home. And when it's done, it could, it could have looked like it was a piano, you know, that should have went, should have been firewood. But when we're done with it, it'll look and play just as good as a brand new piano that'll last another 80 to hundred years again. Now, is that eight to 10 months just based how busy you are, or does it really take that long to restore it? Yeah. So it's, it takes about say roughly about 300 hours to work on a piano. And to your point, it's not taking us the full eight months, but by the time the piano comes in, right. we inspect it, we evaluate it. We have to order the parts. We may have to wait for those parts. Uh, you know, if you were to go, if you were to work on that piano, just solid straight through, it's going to be 300 hours, but there's aspects of the restoration that might take more time because we're waiting for certain things to be done, parts to come in, uh, piano has to sit because maybe the finish has to cure. So, um, yeah, it's not the full 10 months, but it, that, that's how long it takes between that and also uh, our current workload as well. So what three lessons have you learned the most about yourself since running your own business? Yeah, that's a really good question. What have I learned the most about myself? Um, how reliant I am on other people and making sure I surround myself from people who just know a lot more than me. It's impossible to be an expert at every aspect of running a business. There's so much, there's so much at stake. So trying to make sure I'm surrounded and around people who are a lot smarter than me, um, who are experts, whether it's in finance, whether it's in knowing how to restore the, the ins and outs of a piano, uh, marketing, sales, customer service, um, I guess just making sure that I'm surrounding myself with the right people to help guide me because there's just, there's too much to know that I can never, there's not enough, in, there's not enough in a lifetime to master it all. So um, making sure you never get to a point where I got this figured out. And so that would be one of the big things is trying to make sure I'm around the right people uh, Two would be just my faith. Actually, but strengthen my faith the most has been the business just because there's, I've made a lot of mistakes. There's, there's been times when, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to the company and, you know, you're on your hands and knees asking that God would help me to um, guide me through a particular situation. So um, the business has definitely, it's been a blessing, but also in some ways has been one of the hardest things I've had to experience just because, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of people at the end of the day who I feel responsible for that. Um, you don't want to make sure you don't let them down and God forbid you have to end up firing people or letting people go because the business is not working out. And as times are change, as times change and there's always uh, threats and there's opportunities and you're constantly trying to figure out, okay, how are you going to navigate your business? And it's very humbling because you just, there's no guarantee. You don't know, you know, COVID happened. When COVID hit, I thought that was it. I honestly thought, I don't know how we're going to weather the storm or, you know, and we actually had to lay off three quarters of our company and the government, thank God, uh, had a program called PPP where they actually gave businesses money to help keep their people um, hired. So when we received the money from the government, we were actually able to rehire everybody back uh, to the company. So um, that was very, very hard. You know, a lot of tears were shed, you know, as you're trying to navigate, um, through different things. So yeah, it's been, for me, it's been very humbling and very, um, 
at the same time, it's been a great opportunity to be around people who I work with, who I love dearly. Some are very close friends. And um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but I'm starting to ramble. No, no, it's great. Um, you know, it's a much different, you know, if you were just running your own business on your own, but, um, you know, as you yeah. said, you, you now are responsible for, you know, the health and well-being of so many other people, but uh, it sounds like you have learned so much from that. So, you know, five to 10 years from now, you know, who knows what might happen, but where do you see Lindeblad Piano growing and what do you need to, to do to make that happen? Mike, that is like the greatest question and every business owner should answer. And unfortunately, um, you know, sometimes it's just because the last two years have been crazy with COVID. I've been like, we have to get through the year. And I probably, I haven't actually sat down where I want to be in five years, but I can, I guess for me, I would love if we're able to maintain and keep the current team that we have and provide um, the opportunity for our team for the next five years. I have no ski. Uh, I have no visions of growing the company anymore than it is. I feel like I'm kind of at my capacity of where I think what we can handle. Um, it was quality control as well. Like we just have an, an amazing team of craftsmen. And it's very difficult to find people that do this type of work. So we really can't grow any more than where we are in a sense of the restoration aspect. We have a phenomenal team. And for me, I feel like if we're going to maintain the level of quality that we have, we're kind of at the, um, at our limit. So for me, if we could continue to, to stay at the size that we are, continue to do what we do and offer the same quality and service for the next five years, that would be a goal. After the, the five-year plan, and maybe if one of my kids end up coming to the company, I guess I'd be interested to see what they have in store, even though they're 12. So I guess, you know, at 17, that's not going to be much there. But yeah, I would say for me, if we can just maintain the current trajectory that we're on uh, and continue to do the job that we're doing, that would be, for me, a success. And it's constantly, you know, the world's changing uh, and you just, you're always you're always on guard to feel like, okay, are we going to continue to do this? Is someone else going to come and enter the market and change things? Or is our competition going to, is our competition going to take away market share possibly? Uh, so yeah, those are always things that you try to figure out, okay, what are we, I might be busy now, but a year from now, two years from now with technology, I guess a big part for me is always keeping an eye on where are our clients. And, you know, right now say they're on Facebook or say they're on Google but that could change in a heartbeat. That could always be upset, right? You always see technology changing from, you know, now TikTok's the next biggest thing, or you know, you have Facebook talking about this metaverse and, you know, what is virtual reality going to be? Or are people going to be walking into their store with the with their uh, virtual reality? And what's that called? The things that people wear in their head with the with their goggles and stuff. Yeah, I don't know the name, like an uh, like Obulus or something. Okay, Oculus and stuff. Is there going to be where people are going to put those on and be walking through your store? So I guess for me, the biggest opportunity has been technology, but the same sense, like you just can't be like, okay, I got this figured out. Like I'm doing stuff on Google and Facebook and I can rest. So I think I'm constantly looking to see how technology is affecting the marketplace and making sure we're relevant in that arena. And as you said, you know, maybe 10 years from now, you're mentoring your kids to how to run the business. Yeah, or they're mentoring me because they'll probably be better than I am when it comes to technology, right? So, uh, yeah, you, you don't know. I think things are just constantly changing so quickly. 
So with the piano restoration business that you've been working in for so long and you know, your family has really devoted their entire lives to working in it, where does your passion for the piano come from? So um, for me, I mean, I enjoy the piano. I think the piano is an amazing instrument, but I, would, I can't say the reason I'm in the piano business because I have this tremendous passion for the piano. Uh, I was born into it. My, again, it was one of those things that I kind of just, I was born into. Uh, I enjoyed working with my dad. Uh, so that was helpful that, you know, he was easy to get along with. And so I enjoyed spending time with him. And I really, my passion has been in the marketing end of it. So I kind of, I think what happened was that I was born into the piano business and I love the idea of in the challenge of trying to market the piano. And I think because of that uh, and being enjoying the sales part of it, that I ended up then growing the business. Now I very well, I could have been any business really, I guess, uh, that as long as I believed in it. So I do enjoy the piano, uh, but my real passion is, is enjoying the marketing and the sales end of the piano business. So um, that's probably for your listeners, find out what they want to hear. They probably want to hear that. You know, I play the piano for an hour, for an hour a day and uh, I love playing the piano, but I rarely actually even play the piano, but I enjoy the, I, I, I enjoy of being around people and the challenge of um, trying to navigate and running a business as well. Well, I'm sure at the end of the day, once a piano has been fully restored and you're able to see a customer actually yes. sit, sit down and play it, it's a wonderful thing. I'm into that. No, I know that you hit the nail on the head. I enjoy seeing people, um, which, which the piano is a very important part of their life. Whether it's, you know, we've sold pianos to the, uh, Taylor Swift, Stephen Colbert, some concert halls. We've dealt with some very, like, people who, you know, the music is their lives. And to your point, to me, if we can make them happy, that's tremendously important. And that really does give us a thrill and uh, something that really drives us. So you just hit on a question I actually wanted to just ask you now, you know, with this business spanning so many years, who have been some of your most interesting clients that you've served over the years? Yes, yeah, so somebody, I guess, people who you would say, people who would know uh, Taylor Swift, um, Steve Colbert, uh, just last year we delivered a piano to Rachel Platten. Some people might not know who that is, but she wrote, uh, that's called a fight song. Uh, so a lot of people who have, uh, who have dealt with cancer, it's kind of like a theme song for them. So uh, we delivered a piano to her last year. Um, Alex, uh, Alec Baldwin, he's from the news recently, we restored a piano for, for him. Uh, and then, you know, some of the, this one person out of Louisiana, he was a Grammy nominated musician, really awesome guy who I flew down to him. Uh, his name was, or his name is Eric Adcock. Just loves the piano, loves jazz. Uh, some concert halls, um, you know, uh, up in New Hampshire, which was called Wolf Row Friends of Music. We had sold eight Steinways to Cleveland Institute of Music out of uh, Ohio. And, uh, some colleges here in New York City, um, Hunter College, uh, Stanford University, uh, the Mirage. We restored a Steinway for them. If anything, anyone else? Those are kind of, I guess, maybe the main ones that kind of you know people might know, you know who they are, and then a lot of other cool people who are just people who love the piano, you know, piano teachers and uh, piano enthusiasts as well. So these next two questions I always like to ask at the end of the, each episode, 
What is one thing you want our listeners to get out of today's conversation? I guess it would be just the importance of people and me running a business for me, just understanding like, and I'm going to always trying to learn, but how to motivate and influence and how you can't, you can't, you know, you're not in this journey alone. So no matter any of us, whatever it is that we're doing, we have to, and I forget the phrase, so I'm not even going to try to quote it, but it's like, you can only go by yourself. You can go so far, but with a group of people, you can go leaps and bounds further. Right. And like, for me, the only reason the success of our business number one has been God guiding this company and bringing people who I've got to meet, which have been phenomenal, but the business has grown of getting, of is really being connected to some amazing people who are so much greater and better at so many things than me. Um, so I guess ne never underestimating uh, the power of our relationships and connecting um, is uh, something I'm, I'm constantly trying to make sure I never forget and don't take that. Uh, don't take it for granted. Well, that's uh, certainly some great advice for any business owners who are listening in. And finally, Todd, I always like to know what other people are wanting to learn more about. And so for you, what is one thing you want to learn more about? And again, it does not have to be related to our conversation today. Yeah, I, I, for me personally, um, I'm constantly wanting to learn more just about uh, just my faith and trying to, and trying to look at more reasons, not reasons, but for the evidence for God um, and uh, the Lord Jesus. So for me, a challenging thing, we live in a world where, you know, there's constantly different ideas and how, you know, in 2022, how does someone's faith be relevant, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with my kids and just for me personally. So I would say for me, a challenge that I'm taking is just looking for reasons why my faith is relevant in 2022 and evidence for God and evidence for Jesus. So um, I would say that's something for me that I'm learning and I don't have all the answers. And if there's anyone here that's listening that hears this, uh, whether, you know, you're have reasons for not God, or I guess uh, to me, I'm always looking to have genuine good discussion uh, when it comes to whatever it is that um, I'm looking at. So I would say that's something for me that I'm, I'm looking into more and more. If people are looking to have their piano restored or just looking for more information, where can they follow you online uh, or where can they look at your website? Yeah, so uh, please do if you're, whether you're in the market or not, lindabladpiano.com. Uh, and if you happen to be, that's for the US, and you, if you're in Canada, it should automatically take you to our Canadian website, which is lindabladpiano.com slash CA. Uh, so, um, yeah, please, if you're looking to buy a piano, restore a piano, or just interested in the piano, yeah, please check out our website. Uh, and if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Well, Todd, thank you so much for joining me. It's uh, been a pleasure catching up with you. And I hope everyone has learned a little bit more about the piano and how it's restored in the story of Lena Blad Piano. Mike, thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, like I said before, it's always a great opportunity to see you and chat with you. Thanks for tuning into the Have You Ever podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a topic you would like me to explore? I would love to hear from you at haveyouever.podcast. Have a great day and stay curious.